Right on, right on, right on. It is awesome to have you guys. And, and man, how many guys know that we go through pain sometimes? Like, how many guys know that pain exists in walks of life? Come on, somebody. Like, some of y'all have been there before. Today, we want to give you a little insight as to, man, how we navigate through that and what that means before we get there. Man, we just want to welcome you. We're honored that you chose to be with us today. And I'm Brad Livingston. I'm the executive pastor here at TC. And, and we just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. We are in our Inked series. Um, and we've already, man, the chatter has started. I think we're famous on social media right now as the church that wants everyone to get a tattoo. I think that's like what everyone is, you know, and uh, I'm like, some of you aren't good at listening to directions, are you? Uh, So no, we're not the church saying everyone should get a tattoo. We're not the church that says everyone shouldn't have one. We're just the one that says that, uh, you know, we should be able to look through the scripture and make things real to everyone. And so when we read Ephesians 1.13, which we'll get to in just a second, uh, when we read through that, man, we're trying to show that when we give our heart to Christ, when we give our life to Jesus, that there should be a change in us that is just as significant and just as obvious as if we had gotten a tattoo, right? So that's what we're talking about, and that's what the whole Ink series is about. And so, man, we are just excited to have each one of you here today. Let's jump right in to what we're doing today. Go ahead and take your notes out. We're going to be going through those, so you should have got those on the way in the door. Go ahead and take those out, your sermon notes. And we're going to start with Ephesians 1.13, which is our theme verse for the month, for the whole series, actually. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, right? So what is this message of truth? The gospel that when Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross, that he paid for my sins, that when I put my faith in that when he died on the cross, he paid for my sins that I couldn't pay for for myself. How many guys know that our rap sheet is longer than how good we can act? How many guys know we couldn't earn our way into heaven, right? But when Jesus went to the cross, he paid that price for us. Uh, and so, so we're included in Christ when we put our faith in Jesus. That's what they're talking about here, the gospel of our salvation. When you believed, talking about when you believed the gospel, you were marked in him with a seal, which is the promised Holy Spirit. So there should be an evident change in you that is just as obvious as if you had put a mark on your body. That should be what it is like to follow Christ. And let me tell you something, folks, that is what it is like to follow Christ. I think about my life before I gave it to Jesus, and man, that was a mess. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all were had? Some of y'all, how many, see, some of you guys came from a good environment, and you weren't really that bad, but then you noticed somewhere along the way you, you, you kind of wanted Jesus because you wanted to get to heaven. And then there are some of us. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, we needed, like, so desperately God to step in his sovereignty and to give us a way of escape from the penalty of sin and death. And he gave us life through Jesus Christ. And, and he's offered that and, and made that available to us. So, man, I, I, like, there is a, for some of us, there is a huge evidence change when we gave our life to Christ. Um, but I can see, and I believe that everyone should be so obvious that when they gave their life to Christ, that it, like, it, was, it was a significant moment. And we should live differently now than we lived before we gave our heart to Jesus. There should be an evidence change. So we want to look into that. And so today, though, I want to talk to you about painful. Turn to your neighbor and say painful. painful. Oh, that sounds depressing already, don't it? Come on, somebody. I mean, I think I'm going to skip this week, you know. Let's go to Waffle House. No, I'm just kidding. So hash brown scattered coat. Anyway, that's not the point. So Man, like, it, painful, because how many guys know that when we go through life, there is pain, 
right? Like, so even though we've given our heart to Jesus, there are moments, there are times that we experience pain even still. As a matter of fact, that if Paul gave us an insight into anything, it was that even though we've given our heart to Jesus, that we are going to experience trials and sufferings just as much after we're saved as we did before we're saved. That's not an evidence of how little or how much Jesus loves us or cares about us. That is an evidence of what God is working out in us. And how many guys know the world is sinful and messed up, so we are going to experience pain. Come on, somebody. So what we want to talk about today is five things that's going to happen when you experience pain. Again, turn to your neighbor and say, when you experience pain. Notice I didn't say if. When you experience pain. Five things are happening, and, and man, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, for some of you, maybe you're new, my son, my son's been sick, he's almost five years old, he's been sick for about three years and has a brain disease. He got uh, taken to the hospital last night at about midnight, and, uh, but thank God it's, uh, he has a lot of seizures, but this particular trip wasn't about the seizures as much as he's just sick and very dehydrated. So they're getting fluids in him. Um, so by the grace of God, it's not seizures that have him in there. It's just being sick, like regular people sick, you know what I'm talking about? So, um, that is the good news. But what I wanted to let you know about just talking about like pain and confusion. Every time it's my week to preach, something crazy happens. Like I'm talking like something crazy, like um, Kyle in the production, put your hands together for our production team, man. They're full of those, are some rock stars. If the sound is loud and the lights are bright, they're doing their job. So uh, we appreciate you guys and uh, all you on live stream cameras, man, you guys are some studs. Put your hands together for them. Our camera operators, Frank in the back, I know you're back there, brother, running our camera switcher for those that are watching on live stream and you love those guys, I promise. So, um, but anyways, man, when, I, when it's my week to preach, like crazy stuff happens and Kyle's been rolling with me for a long time and, and like, we joke about it now because it's gotten so bad that like when something happens on the week that I'm supposed to preach, we just kind of shake our heads. Like, you know, like today, you know, first of all, Jabin got sick this weekend and I was kind of, the Lord was already preparing me like, hey, this is just something you're gonna have to work through. You know, it's Sunday, you're gonna have to take the gospel to some people that may need it um, and all of us continue to need it, amen. So we're gonna take the gospel and so just be prepared that you're gonna go through stuff on the way there and go figure that we're talking about preaching on what it means to walk through pain. So here I am experiencing pain <laughs> in this season, right? So the Lord is very faithful to make us walk through what we're preaching. Um, and so in that, one of the things that happened is we show up today and, and, uh, and I'm kind of a utility player on the worship team. And so here on the worship team, um, I kind of bounce from instrument to instrument depending on what the team needs. And by the grace of God, he's given me the talents to be able to do that. And so I can play almost any instrument up here as, almost as good as the person that usually plays it. <laughs> so um, thank God. So thank God they come back next week though. You know what I mean? And so it never fails though that whatever I'm supposed to be doing, like, if I'm preaching this week, like for example, I showed up this morning uh, to play keys, which I don't usually do, but um, I, you know, one of our keys players out of town, so I stepped in and was able to do that. And I showed up today, and the whole keyboard rig was down, like it wasn't working, it wasn't powering on, like, and I was just, you know, me and Kyle, I looked at Kyle, and I was just like, you know, in that moment. Five years ago, it would have made me very frustrated and angry and upset, and I would have been like, ah. And today, I just kind of looked at, looked at it and just shook my head, you know, just like that makes sense, you know, like. We got work to do. And Kyle was looking at me. I told Kyle, I was like, man, this is happening, this is happening. He was like, that makes sense. And I was like, yeah, right, it's my week to preach. So of course things are gonna start falling apart. So, uh, 
But talking about pain, man, we all work our way through it, amen? And just because we're saved, just because we're a pastor, just because we're called to, be a, uh, to preach the gospel, and let me tell you something, all of us are called to take the gospel to the world, not just me as a pastor. You, as Christians, are called to take the gospel to the world, which means that you are going to suffer and you are going to go through things in life because uh, our pain is the evidence of our promise, and we're gonna talk about that in a few minutes. So uh, let's work our way through it. Some things we experience is pain. First thing I want you to know in your notes Um, is that when we go through pain, we are being stretched. We're stretched. And uh, I know some of you guys are athletes in here. I'm also well aware that some of you are not. That's okay. But I know that uh, in stretching, right, I remember um, I, I, I was very athletic in high school and then I was not athletic at all right after high school. <laughs> um, and then right after I got married, it's like, man, I already scored this hot lady. Like, I don't need to work out anymore. You know what I mean? And that, that ain't true. So, uh, but uh, I started working my way through that. And I remember the first time I started trying to work out again and I started trying to stretch. And that was a very painful thing. Like stretching is painful, man. Like when you start trying to stretch parts of your body that you haven't moved in a long time, like, hey, man, I used to be able to touch my toes. Like now it's a struggle to tie my shoes. You know what I'm saying? But we're stretched. And what I mean by that is that we're stretched in pain. And what I want to talk to you about with pain is help you understand that pain oftentimes, if not almost every time, is an evidence of how the pain, uh, stretching is almost the evidence of pain. And pain is almost always the evidence, if not exclusively, the evidence that God is working something out in us. See, we tend to think that when we experience pain, that's God's way of forgetting about us. And that's not the case at all. That's God's way of working something out in us. Like God wants to make us better. He wants to make us more uh, excited. Like he wants to take us into a new realm. He wants to do bigger things with us, but we can't do bigger things until we're stretched and we're able to work out those things that he's calling us to do. And so we have to be stretched. The problem is, is stretching is uncomfortable. How many of y'all know, like stretching is a, sometimes an uncomfortable and a very painful process, but God is stretching us to make us better. Uh, James 1, 2 uh, says this, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now I can tell you, I hadn't quite got to joy yet, you know, like, oh, a trial, yay. Like that doesn't, we haven't got there yet. But when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, Now, I got some friends, I know some of you guys even, are like, man, I've just been praying that the Lord would give me more patience. Let me tell you why that's a terrible idea. Because when you pray for patience, the Lord doesn't just like poof you with patience. He's not like, oh, here's more patience. What does he do? He gives us opportunities to use more patience. No, thank you. You know what I'm talking about? So we get put in opportunities to use more patience to see if our patience is growing. What do you mean by that? Like we're stretching. So there's patience, there's faith, there's joy, there's peace. When we want more of those things, we have to be stretched in those areas, which inevitably means we have to go through pain in those areas. And when we go through that, we see that the Lord is making us better at going through them, right? So, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That when we're being stretched, we're being made perfect in what God wants to accomplish in us. The next thing that we want you to understand that you're going through when you experience pain is that we're being sharpened. We're being sharpened. So we come in and and as we start to become sharpened, one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of is uh, how many guys ever tried to cut, how, how many guys like steak? Where are my steak 
steak people out in the house. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on with a medium rib. Listen. But how many of you ever tried to cut a steak with a spoon? Right? Like that don't, it don't work out well. It's frustrating. You're going to end up eating like an apple. You know what I'm saying? Like just forget this thing. Why? Right? Because what you're doing is you're trying to use something that hasn't been sharpened yet to accomplish a task that requires a sharpened tool. In our life, we don't like to be sharpened, but yet we want to be purposeful. Like we have to allow ourselves to be sharpened so that we can become purposeful in what God wants to accomplish in us and through us. And how do you accomplish sharpening? You accomplish sharpening by resistance. Turn to your neighbor and say resistance. So you have to go through resistance. Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. How many of y'all got friends that sharpen you? Right? How many got people in your life that aren't friends that sharpen you? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sister sandpaper, just rubbing everyone the wrong way. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just. But so that sharpens one another, right? So we need to become sharpened because we need to become purposeful at what God wants to use us for. And one of the ways that I think happens the most is in relationships. Like we, in relationships, we get sharpened a lot. And I think one of, the, one of the parts of a relationship that we get sharpened even more than that is in marriage. Don't turn to your spouse right now. It's a terrible point. Like, don't, this is not the look at your spouse moment in the sermon, okay? <laughs> now, I was just thinking about uh, earlier this week, I was having, uh, I was doing a thing. See, I'm the, I'm the cook in our house. Like, I love the kitchen. That's my domain in our house. You know, I get frustrated when people come in and like put stuff in the wrong places in my kitchen. Like, like, don't mess up my stuff, man. This is where I want it to be. It doesn't make sense right there. Well, you don't use it, so leave it alone, right? So, but that's my domain. Earlier this week, I was doing some meal prep stuff and um, uh, trying to cook, and uh, I was doing the whole deal, man. And the kitchen was a mess. I'm not gonna lie; like it was a complete mess. Why? Because I was making food for like, you know, seven days. So I was I was cooking all this food, and uh, and I opened the two cabinet doors in my kitchen. That is probably the exact same in every person's kitchen. Which is what? Like the the two cabinet doors that you don't want anyone to look in in your kitchen is the Tupperware cabinet, right? Like. It's, that's the cabinet where you throw it all in there and close the door as quick as you can so it doesn't come falling down, right? Like when someone goes to open that, you're like, no, don't open it. Like, and so, uh, so I went, uh, I opened the cabinet and like lids are falling out and containers are falling out. Now keep in mind, right, that I had just put, I had just organized the cabinet, right? Stacked all the lids together, put all the containers together. Like everything was, you open it up and it was almost like lights came on and like, like it was so beautiful the way I had organized it. And so when I opened the doors, everything falls out. And I'm just like, because I had just organized it, right? And just in that moment, my wife, who's the only person that put stuff in the Tupperware cabinet like that, uh, she came walking around the corner and I said, babe, can you do me a favor? Can you put the Tupperware containers in there, like where they go, instead of just like throwing them in there? Like, you know what I mean? Um, and that conversation went as well as it probably would have gone in your house, right? So, <laughs> so she, she looked at me and was like, <laughs> she looked at me and she was like, oh, well, let me tell you a few things that's been bothering me lately. <laughs> Right, so, so I, I uh, right, I very, I very calmly, like by the grace of God, um, you know, and I could see her face. Y'all remember the the it's fine conversation from the last time I preached? Like that was it was the same face. I was like, oh, so I, but I told her, I said, listen, she said, let me let me just tell you a few things. I was like, okay, 
I was like, just because I am bringing something up that's bothering me doesn't mean that it's now your time to bring things up that bother you, right? Um, but it was a healthy conversation because I ended up saying like, no, 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 listen, like, you can tell me, uh, right now we're talking about the Tupperware containers and we need to talk about something else later. We'll talk, and, and you know, but we stop. But how many guys know that like those moments of friction are sharpening moments, you know, like, and I don't know, she'll, the Tupperware container cabinet may be the exact same next week, but there was an opportunity and we like, how many guys know in marriage or in just in relationships in general, there's a sharpening that often takes place. Why? Because resistance is happening right at that moment. And so here's the thing though, how many guys also know that sharpening, like when, he, when the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron, how many guys know that's not like a cuddling process? Like that's a violent spark causing like friction where you're literally breaking pieces off of something else by using something else that's just as hard. That's what sharpening is. And oftentimes in our Christian walk, we think that the Lord is gonna sharpen us by cuddling us. And that's not the case. Like, Sometimes that sharpening means he has to break things off of me that he doesn't want there anymore. Why? Because you're not gonna cut a steak with a spoon and you're not gonna be purposeful in life when you're not sharp with what God wants to use you for. So he's gonna take you through a process of grinding you down to make sure that you are ready for the purpose that he wants to use you for. The problem is many of us don't wanna experience the pain that comes from what we have to go through into our purpose, right? And so what we have to understand is that when God is sharpening us, he is preparing us for a purpose. The next thing I want you to know, the next uh, fill in the blank, is that we are sustained. We are sustained. And I think this is a beautiful part of where we are right now because the first two parts of the process, God comes in and he stretches us, and that's very painful. And then he comes in and he sharpens us, and that's painful. But then I think the Lord is very strategic at what happens next because then he comes in and he sustains us. In other words, he reminds us that, yes, I know you're hurting. Yes, I know you're going through something, but I also have you in the palm of my hands. Like, I'm going to sustain you through this pain. I'm gonna sustain you through this process, and I'm gonna make sure that you understand that I'm in control. And that's a comforting moment because the stretching and the sharpening, like some of us never make it through that. Some of us find ourselves in the stretching, sharpening stage forever. Why? Because during that process, instead of relying on God to sustain us, we fall away from God out of frustration and anger. And God wants to sustain us in the process. We have a video of someone that got some tattoo work done. And so we want to show that to you real quick. This is Whitney's video of a piece that she had done. Uh, and she talked about it for our series. Check it out, guys. This is my geisha, um, and I got this because um, it symbolizes um, inside beauty. So, you know, because beauty on the outside fades, and I thought it was a nice way to depict inside beauty with um, evidently some old people do not think that because it's like a, <laughs> it's a fan as an x-ray, so you see her skull. <laughs> So I have a lot of people that like it at first, and then when they look at it closer, then, they, then they're a little like, oh, <laughs> there's a skeleton there. <laughs> but um, that's probably my most meaningful one. Um, I got all this right after my divorce, so it kind of like came um, during like monumental life changes. That's basically what it meant, was just, you know, that 
the beauty is from the inside out and not the other way around. Honestly, it makes me think of chaotic times, um, healing, um, rebirth in the sense of finding myself, part of my self-exploration, me finding myself, um, me finding out who I was separate from somebody else. Um, so it was, it's kind of, it's, it's a little bittersweet, but that's what I like about it. And so we see one of the things that we see with Whitney, particularly in that video, right? And I think she's in here somewhere. I don't know. I can't see anyone, but I think <laughs> but the one of the things that we see with Whitney in that particular case, and stay with me, they're just taking care of something right now. So stay fixed on me for a minute. But one of the things that we see with Whitney when we start looking at that is that uh, she wanted something to remind her that what is happening on the inside is far more than important than what's happening on the outside. And I think that's something that we have to grab a hold of and we have to realize that as we're experiencing pain, as we're navigating all of this, that what's happening, what God is doing on the back end of our life, what God is doing in us and through us is far more important than what we realize and it's far more important than what's just happening to, like, to us. And oftentimes the pain, we disassociate the pain that we're going through through the purpose that God has in it. Second Corinthians 1, uh, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 12 kind of puts this in a great light. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. It's coming, I promise. There it is. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And then he goes on to say, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I mean, how many of us go through moments like that where we're like trying to fight through, we're trying to wrestle through, and we're, we're thinking, man, God, how come I got all this? How come I got this? And if we're really honest, how many of us also know that we usually don't struggle with everything in our life? We struggle with like that thing in life. Like how many guys are with me on that? Like you, you may not struggle, everything may not be your problem, you just have that thing or those one or two things that tend to own you and control you in life. And, and so what we're accomplishing here, what he's talking about is all of us have that thing. What we have to recognize is that when I'm weak, that's when I'm being made strong because that's when Christ is at work in me. And how many guys are recognize that Christ is at work in you? Come on somebody, like Jesus is working his way through you as you walk through life, right? The fourth area that we want you to see is that we're being strengthened. When we're going through pain, we're being strengthened. Like there's a strong, like we're, we are being built up. I know that in the, again, in the working out process and we have some uh, kind of fitness freaks running around in here, the people that love to work out and they love to, to build their muscles and do handstand push-ups and all kinds of good stuff, right? Um, and that's a goal of mine. I wanna do handstand push-ups one day, so I'm working my way towards that. Come on, somebody. Like, if you ain't got the goal, you ain't never gonna reach it. So anyway, that's not the point. It's a different sermon. So, but we're being strengthened. 
But one of the things that I notice about being strengthened is this, that as we're being strengthened, a lot of people think that the muscle building process is happening while you're going through the, uh, the workout, which is during the pain. So while the workout is painful, I'm building the most muscle. And that's actually not true. While you're going through the workout, you're actually breaking the muscles down. You know when you're building the muscles back up is during the rest period. What a lot of us fail to do in life is we go through the pain of being strengthened. Like we're going through the pain, we're going through the hardships, we're going through the struggle, and we're allowing God to, to take us through, navigate us through very difficult parts in our life. But many of us never rest in God long enough to actually be strengthened. In other words, we go from painful experience to painful experience to painful experience, and we run to our friends, we run to our coworkers, we run to our boss, we run to someone else, but we never run to God and rest with him and just take time in his presence to spend with him and let him strengthen us. Uh, I've, got, uh, I've got two dogs at the house. So we have Jabin. Uh, Jabin's my little man. He's almost five. Uh, and then we have two dogs at our house that we treat like humans. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody with me with the dog? Dogs like humans thing, right? My wife is convinced that both of them are lap dogs. Um, I think we have a picture, some pictures of one of them. Uh, so that's, okay, there we go. So that's Volcom. That's my oldest. They're both pit bulls. We can get that part out of the way now. Oh my gosh, you got pit bulls in the house. Yeah, we do. So um, this is Volcom. He's my oldest. We've had him the longest. Um, yeah, he's awesome. We can go to the next one. Um, there's another picture of him uh, with my wife. Anyway, so, uh, sorry. Um, but there's Vulcan. We've had him for quite a while. Uh, amazing dog. I'll tell you more about him in a second. You can go to the next one. The next one is Thor, which is my goofy dog. This is, uh, yeah, that's where he sleeps almost all the time, which is directly on top of Ashley. He's 100 pounds, mind you. Like, this is a big dog. It doesn't look like it here, but the dog is huge. All right, we, we like, his name is Thor, which that makes sense because he's like strong. Uh, the, on the other side of that, he's awkward and lanky and knocks a lot of stuff over. So, um, but anyway, you can go to the next picture. So, hey dogs, this is us. How many of you guys remember when the storm hit? Uh, not this last one, but like a couple months ago, right? So this is what our living room looked like. <laughs> we put mattresses and everything in the living room. It was away from everything. And the dogs were hiding under the blanket from the storm that was going on outside. So yeah, very bold creatures they are. Um, and then you can go to the next picture, uh, which is this is all of us in the, in the car. Um, and so uh, Jabin, Volcom, and Thor, that's Thor. He doesn't understand personal space. So like, I'll sit down on the couch, he'll jump up on the couch and he'll go nose to cheek. And I'm like, come on, man, get off. And he's just like, trying to like, he has to be touching you all the time. And a hundred pound pit bull with floppy ears, touching you all the time is very annoying. Um, but no, I love my boys. Ashley is stuck in a house full of four children. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So um, notice, yeah, some of y'all got that. But I love my dogs, man. My dogs are awesome. And, and, uh, and uh, so the other day, Volcom, he's the oldest. So we got him when we moved in our house, um, or when I moved in the house, actually. So we bought the house uh, three months before we got married. Um, I lived in it, and then uh, Ashley ended up moving in uh, after we got married. Um, and so, but Volcom, we, Volcom lived with me in the house when literally the only things in the house was me, him, a, a food and water bowl, a futon mattress, and a TV on top of a speaker box. Okay, that was like, that was only, yeah, it was, it was that kind of life. So um, he lived in then, I could hold him in the palm of my hands. So I got him when he was uh, a little over six weeks old, and I could hold him in the palm of my hands. One of the things that that's done, though, is uh, it's pretty special, is Volcom knows me better than anyone else knows me. 
Um, what I mean by that is like when I'm sad, he knows that I'm sad. And he'll, like, if he'll be in play mode and he'll see that I'm upset, he'll come and sit right beside me, lay his head uh, on my knee, and he'll just want, he just wants to be there to comfort me while I'm sad. Um, if, I'm, if I'm excited, he's excited. Tail's wagging, he's just like, you know, big pit bull smile like that. And he's just like, yeah, what are we doing, you know? Um, but what's also really, really cool is if he knows, like if I'm worried about Jabin, so let's say Jabin's sick or something, if I'm worried about Jabin, he'll go sit next to Jabin because I'm worried about him. Um, so he knows like what's going on. Matter of fact, when Jabin, when Jabin was a newborn, we brought him home um, and my father-in-law, which is Ashley's dad, uh, came, he went to go pick Jabin up um, off the ground and Volcom got between them two. And if you've ever seen a pitbull kind of flex his muscles, that's what he did. And this low growl came out of him like, nah, bro, you ain't picking up my brother. Like, nah, right here. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, so he's a, he's a protector over Jabin, um, and if he, he, know, he also knows I'm worried about Ashley. So if he'll, if Jay, uh, Volcom will follow me around the house, but if uh, I'm concerned about Ashley for whatever reason, um, he'll pick up on it without me saying anything, and he'll start following her around the house. It's the craziest thing, um, but I've, I've had him forever. Like, I've had him since he was a little over six weeks old. That's my boy. Um, you know, I take him, I, I, I try to take them as many places as I can. But the other day, I was working out in the garage, Thursday, uh, Thursday morning. Thursdays, I'm at the church till like nine or 10 o'clock at night, some nights, because we have worship prep. So I work through the day and then I stay for worship. And um, so I was working out that morning. And when I was working out that morning, um, just doing my workout, you guys ever been in that moment where you just, you weren't necessarily ready for God to interrupt your day, but he did anyways? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like I was just doing a workout and a song came on. Um, and the song is actually a song that Anna had showed me already once. And I listened to it and I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, have you ever listened to a song and you're like, oh, that wasn't bad. And then you were in a moment where you really got to listen to it. And all of a sudden, like it just wrecked your world. And you're just like ugly cry face. You know what I'm talking about? You know? And um, so that's what happened, man. Like I was just in that moment uh, of God, just, I, I needed God to do something. Like I needed him to, remind me that he hadn't forgot about me. And, and like, I know as a pastor, like maybe that's discouraging to you or maybe it's, it's encouraging because we're still human too, right? So, um, so in that moment, I was just like, God, I just need you to, and I, and I wouldn't even say that, I wasn't even really in a moment of desperation currently. Then the song comes on and I'm like, you know, ugly cry face. And I, and I sit down and, and just coincidentally, Ashley opened the door in that moment. So she opens the door and Volcom comes trotting out in the garage and uh, trying to see what's going on. So he's sniffing around the whole garage. And, uh, and he looks over at me in my, like, I was crying. Like tears were coming down my cheek. And, nope, I'm not gonna do it, I promise. And tears were coming down my cheek. And as soon as he saw me crying, he came straight to me. And he, he came and he sat down and he does like three circles between my legs and he sits down between my knees and then he just looks up at me with his giant pit bull smile like that and his tongue's all flopped out, you know, like, ah, you know. And, um, and so I just, you know, I laughed a little bit and I started rubbing his ears, which he loves that. He loves when I rub his ears. And uh, so when I was kind of petting him and, and rubbing him and, and in that moment, God does what he always does for me. And he taught me something. That a lot of times we're looking to be strengthened, but we're looking to be strengthened because we want other people to hold us. 
We want other people to help us. We want other people to pamper us. We want other people to pet us. We want other people to help us. And the only way that we can be truly strengthened with what God wants to accomplish in our life is when we can rest right there at the feet of a father. And, and Volcom comes, he sits down at my feet and he just looks at me. And the only thing he was looking for was for me to tell him everything's fine. That's exactly what I did. I said, everything's okay, buddy. I just rubbed his ears and he kind of just put his head down and he just walked back inside because that's what he does. I think the problem is, is many of us are disconnected from that. Many of us don't go sit at the feet of our father who is God. We don't look to him to be secured and to be strengthened. We don't look to him for him to tell us it's okay. We end up everywhere else. And when we go to everywhere else, we never quite get the strength that we need because we never get the rest that we need. I'd only been working out for like 30 minutes and I sat in that garage for probably another 45, not doing anything except for letting God minister to me in my time of rest. And I think for many of us, that's right where you are. You're lacking strength because you're looking for chaos to help. And it's not going to. You need the peace of God. You need time in his presence. You need to be encouraged by him. You need to be strengthened by him. Because what happens next, and it's the last fill in your blank, is after we're strengthened, then we become secured. We become secured in God. I think Romans 11 paints the most beautiful picture of this. Romans 11, 33 to 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. I want you to just think about how big of a picture of God these verses paint that we're about to look at. Oh, the depth of the riches, wisdom, and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given, it's coming, I promise. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? In other words, like who is God in debt to? For him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Like this is such a huge picture of who God is that oftentimes we're looking for help from anywhere else except the only person that to him and through him, for him are all things. Like God is working out everything for your good. Like God is working out everything for his glory. And many of us are finding ourselves in a position where we don't know if God's gonna come through for us. But I can tell you right now that God has to come through for you because God won't fail you because God won't fail God. God will not associate his name with losing on your sake. So you may not know what it's gonna look like. I can promise you the victories that God has brought into my life, he brought them in a way that I didn't see them coming, but he brought them. So you need to stop looking for God to give you your way. You need to start looking for you to give God his way because he'll bring victory in your life, but he's gonna bring it in a way that makes sense for him. He's gonna bring it in a way that brings him glory. He's gonna do it in a way that makes him God. 
Matt Chandler has a quote, I think it's awesome. He says, we need a picture of God that makes us know we are safe no matter what. And that is the most beautiful picture of God. Because a lot of times we tend to associate stuff like this with our faith. The most of the atheists that I know don't believe in God because they think God let them down. Because they think God owed them something. But we just saw, like, who can be in his debt? Like, God doesn't owe me anything. Some of you have heard me talk about it before, that, you know, when we were going through stuff with Jamin, um, that God brought me to a place of repentance very quickly, that I felt like God owed me something. God, I preach the gospel. I try to live right. I take care of my wife. I take care of my son. Like, you shouldn't be making me go through this. And I realized that in mercy, God was going to heal my son and bring us through this. Or in mercy, he's gonna sustain and secure myself and my wife in the loss of our son. But it doesn't matter because God doesn't owe us anything. But here's the beauty behind that. Don't be discouraged because here's the beauty behind that. God is looking for and waiting for and patiently planning with very strategic moves the purpose and the success and the promise that he has offered to you that God hasn't forgot about you, but he wants to work everything out for the good of those that love him. And all you have to do is love God and be committed to his purpose and he will work it out for you. I promise that God loves you and he wants to pour out his affection on you. And today, I don't know where you may be, but I want you to know today that God loves you and he has a purpose for you. And if you're in this place, maybe you don't believe that, we wanna pray for you. Let's just pray right now. Father, we just pray for every person that's in this house, God. Some of us have become frustrated and oftentimes even angry towards you. But God, I pray that you search our hearts and help us realize, Lord, that maybe you've been stretching us, maybe you've been sharpening us, you've always been sustaining us, sometimes you're strengthening us, but God, I pray that we recognize that in all things you are securing us, you are holding us in the palm of your hands. God, I just pray right now, Lord, you speak to hearts. If you're in this place, church, Maybe you're in this place and, and you say, man, I, 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 uh, pastor, I, don't, I haven't surrendered to God yet. I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. But I know that I need God in my life. I need to surrender to him. And here's the beauty, folks. The beauty of the gospel is this. The simplicity of the gospel is this. That when we were in sin and all of us have sinned, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. That when we were in sin, God saw us and he loved us so much that he knew we could never pay our way out of our sin. We could never do enough good things. So God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. When he died on the cross, he paid for our sins and he made a way that we could become righteous. All we have to do is repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ. That when he died on the cross, he paid for my sins. And if you are in this place and you say, Pastor, I'm not a bad person. I, 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 I think I'm a good person, but I need to be saved from who I am. I need to be saved from the penalty of my sin. I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. 
I need to follow him and let him take control of my life. If that's you in this place, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out, but I want you right now to make a statement to God saying, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I wanna be forgiven. I want to be saved. If that is you and you want to be saved today, you want to become a Christian, I want you just to raise your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. All you gotta do is raise your hand. God bless you. I wanna be saved today. God bless you. I wanna be saved. I wanna give my heart to Jesus today. I want him to become my Lord and Savior. Here's what we're gonna do, church. We're gonna pray a prayer together. And this prayer won't make you saved. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone makes you saved. But we wanna pray a prayer together. And if you raise your hand, we want you to pray this prayer. And the whole church is gonna do it with you. Even if you're watching us on live stream, we wanna encourage you, pray this with us. So church, let's all pray with our brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. I recognize you died on the cross, that you rose three days later. Through your death and through your life, I can be saved. I believe in you. I wanna follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time we celebrate with you.